everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis, a foodie born and bred. My wife, Nikki, loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband, David, thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on another grim overcast day in Washington. But we're going to brighten it up. We've got a great show today. Uh, a legend has joined us. Um, Iriki is DC's <laughs> award-winning, itself legendary uh, nowhere and nobody does real Italian better restaurant uh, down on 19th Street. And the chef owner is Christian Ricci, Chris Ricci. And she's in today to talk about where the restaurant's headed in its in its fourth decade. Unbelievable. But 30 years is 30 really years is unbelievable. <laughs> but what's more unbelievable is that maybe even 25 years ago today, we actually, Nikki and I sealed the deal at your restaurant on a Monday night. I don't she, think it was wonderful. today. It was I mean, pretty close. It was this time of year. No, it, it wasn't. Yes, it was in the, in the winter. I had a winter coat on. Never mind. You know, old age has not has dimmed her mental. Whatever. I think it was the fall. I think it, it was, was in the winter, fall. I don't think so. No, and then you moved in in July. Okay, anyway. Oh my God. Back I think you came to Eureka. Yes. Right. Maybe and it the was food April. It was awesome. Okay, maybe it was April. <laughs> Do me a favor. Just, just <laughs> shut up. Anyways. But we did seal the deal there. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, Chris Rieke's with us. Uh, Bettina Stern is co-founder of Chaya. It's a seasonal uh, vegetable taco company. And she's in um, – uh, Chaya was a was a, a little startup when we first met Bettina. Right. right. They came in originally – Bettina and her partner came in because they were part of some incubator. She's going to get us – remind us about it. But it was an incubator, like, contest to get money so that they could actually start their business – and uh, now they have two brick and mortars today. I mean, because today. of her appearance on Foodie and the Beast, <laughs> right. the rest is history. <laughs> Look Let's, at that. Come on. She's not nodding, but she will. I'll okay. get her to nod. All right. So uh, Chef Ricardo Planas is the man in charge mm-hmm. of the Sally, which is the new restaurant at the Fairfax Embassy Row Hotel. And he's in. He's brought in a little taste of the hotel, and he's yes. going to tell us all about it. And he is, he's worked for some really I know, he has an incredible resume. So he's dropping names all over the place. We're going to see if we can get him to do it again. (laughs) And, uh, you know, again, Black Betty Vodka, Picaroon Rum, Famous Spirits spirits are coming out of Blackwater uh, uh, Distilling. We had these guys on. Ten years ago. Yeah, when you first opened. And uh, Vince Tyson, who is head of regional sales, and Jamie Imhoff, who is their brand ambassador, Mm -hmm. in to tell us more, but more importantly, to serve some up. So we're going to do that. <laughs> uh, first, let's go over to, we want to talk to uh, the folks at Central Farm Market. Sandra Miller, are you there, Sandra? I am here. Good let's, morning, Sandra. How are you? Pretty good. How are you guys? Good. How are things at market today? You're at Bethesda, right? Yes, and it is a busy day out here. People I bet. coming out, shopping, uh, enjoying the... Calm before the storm. Right, right. There's a proposed storm coming. Well, tell us some of the things that are at market today. What are some of the vendors uh, coming up with? Well, uh, Toygo Orchards has their certified organic heirloom tomatoes Mm -hmm. back out today. They have a state-of-the-art greenhouse. Mm -hmm. Um, Mark Toygo went over to... Holland and the Netherlands and studied their their greenhouse technology and brought a company over and built this amazing 
greenhouse, and so we can get delicious tomatoes. In I know we February. have to really educate people about the greenhouses and why they work so well. And that's why we can have these tomatoes year round because we're all taught that, you know, you're not supposed to eat tomatoes in the winter because they're, you know, coming from a, either a far distance or they're not raised properly. Well, you know what I mean? for decades they were tasteless and, the, and they were right, the consistency but these are completely of, a, different. of a hard ball. So. Right. Well, we, he, he is the master of getting t- tomatoes to taste great in February. <laughs> okay. And uh, has finally really mixed science with, agriculture and uh-huh. he, he knows what his tomatoes like to eat in order to taste good right okay who else do you got that do you want to showcase we, today oh let's see uh there's a new vendor here and i adore them but i really shouldn't eat a lot of them okay why um it's <laughs> oh my butt's big enough okay but uh, we don't know what it is and what they're serving so how about helping us austrian out austrian pastries austrian pastries okay and who's the oh. vendor uh little austria oh little austria so what are some of the pastries that they're serving today a uh, strudel all different kinds of strudel that's got like fig and walnuts and all right. apples and all right and, well you know what uh, the show's over at 12 we're gonna head out to the market because it's on our way home exactly what are the hours today the hours, we're in our winter hours right now, mm-hmm. which means we're open from 10 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Okay, great. All right, Sandra, Thank thanks you so, so much. much. That goes through April 1st, but say, stop by and say hello. We you got will, it. We Thank will. you. Thanks so much. Okay, bye. So, Vince and Jamie, let's talk a little bit about Blackwater. You both have water. to come up to the mic. you got to lift that mic up. You can actually lift yeah, it up. See, no, no, no. You can, like, go like this. You can pull it. There, there you go. There you go. go. All right. All right, modern technology. So a little bit on Blackwater, a little bit of background. So Blackwater, we've been around since 2008. We're actually the first distillery to come back in the state of Maryland. They started letting distilleries come back into the into the area. Mm-hmm. This we, was the wettest state during Prohibition, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Go ahead. the reason for that was um, a little known fact is the reason Pennsylvania came first before Maryland was most of the factories had to go to the wartime use back um, during World War II. So all those factories and distilleries that were producing alcohol, they end up being utilized by the government instead, and that's what took so long. Well, hmm. Once that again, the federal, federal overreach when we need <laughs> booze instead of anything else. So how did Blackwater Distilling come to be? Uh, two brothers, John and Chris, mm-hmm. they decided they were out drinking, and they decided that they wanted a better vodka. So they <laughs> you came know what up we need with, is yeah, we, need a, we, need a toy, we need a better <laughs> yeah. vodka. So they came up with a better vodka, and that's how you got Sloop Betty. And it started off with the traditional vodka, and then we went to a honey vodka, a caramel vodka, an overproof, or I mean, overproof but why, vodka. But I have to be, I have to ask, why vodka? It's I easier, mean, right? no, Well, not just that, but I mean, it's a saturated market. Easier, uh, less time in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like unlike yeah, whiskey, bourbon, time. and then you you know you start you know once you get your feet under you things start developing and you start coming up with other things. Okay. So when you set up a distillery, you have to think about the cost of buying barrels. When you set up whiskeys, you have to lay down those whiskeys for three to four years at least, mm-hmm. and then you see no profit in that time. So most distilleries they'll start by doing like either a vodka or a gin, and that brings in some revenue so they can lay down their rick houses, they can lay down their barrels, and then when their things come to age, you know they're not completely broke. Can we talk about, you mentioned Rick House, and I feel like that is a word I have heard a lot recently. That's not something you guys need, though, right? That's just for whiskey. 
More that, right, right. Do you right. guys need? You guys don't need a rickhouse, no. right? No. Okay, I was just curious. Um, okay, so is it true that people that live in rickhouses? Okay, stop. No, it's not even funny. <laughs> it's not even funny. Okay, so well, I got a laugh out of everybody but you. I know. Um, they don't so what me. are we trying first this morning? You have a lot of stuff going on over big, there. I didn't, even, I didn't even bring the big bag today. I brought the small bag. Oh, no. Yeah. All right. Well, next time, bring the big bring, bag. Bring the big bag? Okay. So you have to talk to the mic. My don't... clothes are better. Yep, no. So tell me what you're going to be doing today. So we're going to do a, we're going to do a cocktail with our traditional vodka. Yeah. Tell us the first thing you're going to make. Okay. So the first cocktail, we're going to utilize the traditional vodka mm-hmm. that's mostly made from organic wheat and organic sugar cane. The cocktail itself is called Laprix. Um, it's actually named after one of the most famous uh, pirate battles in the Chesapeake Bay. Mm-hmm. So the cocktail itself is actually a really simple cocktail. Um, all the cocktails today are ones that you can make at home. And I pulled all the ingredients from one grocery store, so it's pretty neat uh, that the average consumer can do this. So this cocktail here is going to be with the vodka. It's a roasted ginger syrup, fresh pineapple, lemon, lime, and a little float of uh, red wine. Oh, my, that does not sound easy, Dietetic, but we're going we're gonna to sure. let you go and make that, and uh, everybody right, in the studio so will get a taste. I want to I wanna start off by saying you yes. got your start at the age of 18. You rolled into Florence, met a guy, go to Cherchina, open it, or were you working in the family restaurant, and then you're here with 30 years. Incredible. It is nuts. So tell the story. Well, the short version, the short version is... I'm studying in Florence. I get in a car one day, drive to a little stop in a little place in the middle of nowhere. Didn't even know it was a restaurant. Turns out that it was a little trattoria family run. And um, met the son of the owner, Francesco Ricci. Uh, And that's where I fell in love with not only Francesco, but the family in Italy. And I was there painting. So, of course, the light and the color. Came back, got my degree two weeks after graduation, go back to Italy, marry Francesco, and live there for 17 years. Okay. And so at this point, are you in the kitchen at all? Or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. you are. We're, yes. Well, yeah. I want to say what I'm, because, you know, I studied in, in Florence, and every Everybody girl, knows that you studied every in Florence. Every girl in the, you <laughs> did, it on every you studied show. in New Jersey. I didn't study um, in Florence. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but every girl in the in the program met a guy, and their name was Marco or Franco, and and you know, and they were so in love. Not one of them married any of the Italians. Well, but, she and, did, and we were yeah. jealous. We used to say his real name is Mark or Frank. It's not quite <laughs> no, as romantic. No, but you, what what they what we as young girls didn't know is these Italians, these Florentine guys waited every semester for the new crop sure. of girls to come It's like in. duck hunting. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's the matter with you? It was wonderful. You it was really your whole life had, from duck hunting. I had Those were some of the best years of my life. We had a blast. Okay, so you're there for 17 years. Yes. What um, brings you to the D.C. area? Actually, it was, again, we're sitting in the, this little trattoria in the middle of nowhere, and Coleman Andrews, the uh, renowned food writer, sure. and the um, editors of Metropolitan Home Magazine call us and say that there's... Um, a great deal of interest about cucina rustica, rustic Italian cooking mm-hmm. in New York. Somebody's opened up a restaurant, and they want to come and do an article about us. Ooh. So they came. Mm-hmm. Again, we didn't even have to leave our front our front door. They came. They did an article about us, and they said, you know, you should really think about expanding. And so Francesco and I came. We took a look. We went to New York. We came to D.C., and we said, you know, we can do this. So we came. You know, it was funny. We were young. We were in our early 30s. We didn't know what we didn't know. We sure. thought all you had to do is know how to cook to run a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, we were very fortunate. We 
We opened up in January of 89. In about, the space you're in now, yes. the original space. Yes. 19th Street. Yeah. That's amazing. 19th Street, and du- right off of DuPont Circle. Mm-hmm. A month after we open, George Herbert Walker Bush comes to dinner. Right. He had just been inaugurated. Uh-huh. And it made international news. Right. Even on the front page of the Nazione, the, the um, newspaper in Florence. You know, local kids make good. Right. And that really propelled us. And um, it's been a hell of a ride ever since. But so, but a restaurant to be around for 30 years, given especially the trajectory of the D.C. Mm-hmm. dining scene. And now mm-hmm. it's just you. It's a woman-run restaurant, yeah. which mm-hmm. I have to be honest, there's so few of those in the city. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's something that is, uh, you know, everybody's trying to figure out how to change that. But how have you seen the ebb and flow change in the 30 years in your restaurant and staying relevant and, and still being a part of the community? Because, you know, back in the early 2000s, you were like one of the few Italian restaurants in the city. Like there was like a glut of Italian restaurants, right. you know, like when right. you, not when you open, but like a little mm-hmm. bit after. Yeah, and question. then it's not a long question. It's a conversation. Yeah. Um, do you know what I'm saying? Yes, absolutely. And so there was this, and then, and then there was nothing. And then now there's like not a glut, but there's it's a crazy. lot. So yeah. how do you ride that roller coaster? Well, and, and for us now, um, uh, uh, we were just talking earlier that we're at a different we're at a different point in our careers or in our history. Mm-hmm. Whereas we have to re- we have to try to remain relevant to maintain or attract clientele. Sure. We're all looking for the same customer base. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's a question of it's funny about eight years ago. Um, decided, I realized that I had to do something to set ourselves apart from other restaurants. Okay, we're going to get into that in just okay, a sec. Sure. We have to See? take a quick break. That's no problem. No okay, problem. sorry. You didn't go like this. No, no, no. There was no cuts line. Okay, okay. this is David and Nikki Nellis <laughs> with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. We're mm-hmm. talking to Chris Riki about E-Riki, celebrating 30 years in business. You were in the middle of a question conversation. Something, <laughs> okay. something. I'm getting, I'm getting slammed here. It sounded like when you're giving I mean, me honeydew yeah, stuff. Okay, yeah, I I really but there, it is. I mean, there's so much going on in the D.C. dining scene. And one of the things I hate more than anything else is when some writer from out of town is like, you know, D.C. finally has a dining scene, which is so offensive to somebody like you or Jean-Louis or people like that who, Roberta Donna, you know, people who, who have been cooking here for years. Yeah, yeah, what's offensive to me is when you get these food writers who think that that uh, rest- restoration started 10 years ago uh-huh. in Washington. So they don't even mention Jean-Louis Paladin or Roberto Donna uh-huh. or Michel Richard. Uh-huh. You know, they start way down the line. So it, it, those were great times. As you had mentioned, when we first came to town, there was really nothing going on. Ro- uh, Roberto Donna had uh, Galileo. Uh, Galileo. Dominique was and serving was, tiger yes, and lion. And, and <laughs> alligator. Right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But... Um, no, I think people have asked me what's the secret, and I don't. I don't know that there's one secret. Mm-hmm. First of all, what a lot of people don't understand, either people who come to restaurants or people who want to open restaurants, is that um, to your point earlier during the break, we talked about the cost of operating restaurants. Mm-hmm. Restaurants really, it's a, it's you're talking about pennies, razor thin margins, razor thin, mm-hmm. and you have to watch everything. And if you don't, you'll be closed in before you know it. Right. So that that's one of the secrets, really paying attention to your costs. The mm-hmm. other, I think, is because it's a restaurant that always had, always had the, has the chef owner on site mm-hmm. all the time. 
Most of the time I'm expediting, so I get to see every plate that comes out of the out That's of the a kitchen. big deal, and you don't see that. It's not as apparent these days when chefs have multiple properties. They can't it, be everywhere. You, you can't, and it's uh, it's just I have a great staff. Most of my staff has been with me for many years, some even 30 years. It's amazing. But it's, it's uh, you know, it gets, it gets tiring after a while. So you need to have the leader, so to speak, the general that's there, that's working in the trenches with the troops. Mm-hmm. That so makes let's all talk sense. a little bit about the menu because right. we, when, when we were mm-hmm. back before the show, we're talking about, you know, your regulars who, who, who love, you know, their thing mm-hmm. and it stays on the menu forever. How do you innovate and still keep the well, regulars happy? Yeah, well, and, and our, our thing is we came from Tuscany. We have an experience of, of a Tuscan restaurant in Tuscany that's our menu. If you go to if you go to a restaurant in Tuscany, most of them have the same thing on the menu. So mm-hmm. there are things that we can't take off of because if we're a Tuscan restaurant, you you can't take penne strascicate or ribolita. You can't take them off the menu. Daddy loves his ribolita. That's right. It's good for you too. It's yeah. very good for you. It's full that. of kale and beans. People love it. Oh, um, I know it's got beans in it. <laughs> yeah. But um, the way we get around that is we have an extensive. Um, specials list. Mm-hmm. So it gives me the opportunity to experiment and do things um, from other regions of Italy and kind of have a little fun. I don't know if you know this. Chris invited us to go to Italy with I'm her sure she tomorrow. Did. Yes. <laughs> on a David would have left yesterday. <laughs> I mean, not like jet. I wouldn't have joined him. Uh, uh, what about, you know, sort of the availability of product? In D.C. because, you know, there is a flourish of farmer's markets available. Obviously, 30 years ago, the kinds of Italian products you needed weren't available. No. So no. how has that changed what we see oh, on the it's, menu? It's, it's, incre- it's incredible. I mean, when we first opened, there are certain things that we, we talked about. White beans, cannellini beans is a staple mm-hmm. for Tuscan cooking. And you couldn't find it here. You couldn't find the right kind of um, flour to make polenta, corn flour. Hmm. You couldn't even find really good I olive oil. you need oil. to look in our pantry because we got nothing but cannellinis and and well, well, that's I mean, not she's 30 like, years. Now, years. Years. Like 30 years ago. Now, you know, now you can get you buffalo mozzarella flown in overnight right. from Italy. So it's, but actually, it's it's funny you should mention that. So we've always prided ourselves on serving Parmigiano Reggiano mm-hmm. from Parma. Well, I was just introduced to a product made in Wisconsin, a Parmesan cheese, hmm. that I'm telling you is really, really good. I think that's amazing. Sorry. And he's like, well, no. I just gave away a secret. No, me and Teresa. My bono, my bono. All right, so we're, unfortunately, we have to wrap up. I hope you'll stick around. But of I course. want everybody, again, to know first of all, 30 years in business is huge. So, congratulations. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> thank again, you. It's, it's thank God you were open for me to take Nikki there so we could seal the deal so she could beg me to marry her. Right, exactly. Oh, I think, yeah. I, I, it went so something wonderful. like that. It went exactly not like that. <laughs> right. the next, your next anniversary, you have to come back. Absolutely. Okay, we That's will. Actually, we should. We should. All right, we will. All right. Um, thank you. But wait, tell everybody where it is. Right, again. and then they can oh, find Oh, my you. goodness. We're at 1220 19th Street, Northwest, right about a block and a half down from DuPont Circle. It's a great little spot. It is. It's not little, but All yes, right. it's a great spot. So you're Thank good you. there. So uh, Vince and Jamie, we're going to come back, back to you. We better so taste this. So this is lovely. So this is made with the traditional vodka. Yes, ma'am. Right? No, you got to speak in the mic. Listen, Nobody yes, can ma'am hear you. Is. And um, it's a really good drink. It's did a, you just say yes, ma'am? He did. Which Don't I, do that. I mean, seriously. Then she's going to make me call her ma'am. 
Mm. So it's a really yeah. simple drink. Um, wow. You can do it at home. Like I said, you just uh, get the fresh juices. I'll, I can provide the recipe. To you that would be great. For everybody. Um, just one thing, when you make the roasted ginger syrup, you just want to get some ginger. Um, take it, uh, peel it off, dice mm-hmm. it up. You can roast it in any other kind of way you want, maybe in the oven. You can grill it. Um, I actually did it on a panini press, this one here. And then you actually need to cook a simple syrup. And usually with simple syrups, you want a one-to-one ratio. So what you do with this one is take half the amount of sugar that you want, whether white or brown, and twice the amount. Like So if you do one cup of sugar, do two cups of water, let it go in a low boil, like a really low simmer, mm-hmm. down to back to the fact that it's one cup, and then you have a one-to-one ratio again. Terrific. So that's the easiest way to make it. Now tell us. Well, I, no, I want to ask about the new. You guys have a tavern open now, am I right? We do have a new tavern opening. So when to the? Is it open or is it opening? It is opening. We just got our final. Our final inspection is on Monday. Congratulations. Super um, beginning of March. That is our soft opening time. And We're, it's in Stevensville. It is in Stevensonville. Stevensonville, sorry. Yeah, Stevensonville. And what right. is it? What is the tavern? Tell us a little bit about so it. So it's going to be our brunch. So we are originally we were in a in a business park. We're actually going to a full place where you can get that we can get lunch mm-hmm. and dinner, and it's going to be you're not going to be staring at walls and stuff like that and brick, um, beautiful views, fantastic wood finish all throughout the place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to be great. Uh, we're going to actually going to have full cocktails like everything we have here. Sure. We're going to have cocktails very similar to these. Mm-hmm. Uh, local beers. So it's going to be awesome. Oh, so it's a full-blown tavern. We'll make sure everybody knows where Stevensonville is. Exactly. (laughs) What are you pouring next? Somebody needs to say something. Our caramel vodka Mm -hmm. made with uh, house-made caramel sauce. Absolutely fantastic. Excellent. All right, great. When we come back to you guys, you'll tell us a little bit more about that process. But Tina Stern, when we first met you, Chaya was a dream, really. You were being... No, it wasn't just a dream. It was a process. You were being nurtured in a a kind of a a culinary laboratory, and you were doing pop-ups. But I don't think you had a a brick-and-mortar spot at that point, did you? No, we definitely didn't. Now you've got two. Yes, thank you for having me on. Let's talk about the trajectory. Let's talk about the initial concept that you guys came up with and then how you got how you got to where you are today so my business partner Suzanne Simon and I Mm -hmm. um, had spent many years cooking together first as friends we founded a a cookbook club that was super fun lasted for years featured in Oprah just constantly were sort of ahead of ideas and we started writing a blog and we started making, and these were before blogs were right. anything. So we were writing a home cooking blog and we started to make inroads within the city and we were teaching classes at the farmer's market and we were just, we were building partnerships and getting older at the same time. Mm-hmm. And probably like, I think when you're doing all these different things, it's hard to figure out where you're going. Right? Did Where you have a going? did you have a like end site in mind? Like did you were you like this is what we want to do? We want to open up a brick and mortar restaurant? We wanted to be ahead of whatever was coming and mm-hmm. we ha- the city was lacking in food. There was very, you know, delicious fine dining, but there wasn't a lot of affordable really delicious dining. Well, you guys were at the start of we the fast casual concept. At the start. Yeah. So so here we were cooking and Think Local First came to us and said, there's mm. a restaurant competition. Right. And you guys. Stacey Vieira, right? Wasn't Stacey she? Stacey Price. Stacey Price. Stacey yes, Price. Stacey Price. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. Shop made in D.C. Uh-huh. Just opened their second store uh-huh. down at the Navy Yard. At the Wharf. Or Capital Wharf. Or They're at the Wharf. Capital Wharf. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wharf. Anyway, so um, we decided to write a business plan, air quotes around a business plan, for an idea that was based on a cooking class that we had taught from the farmer's market. Mm-hmm. And... It was 
cooking with farm fresh ingredients and decided to use a tortilla, a handmade tortilla, as the vehicle. And we taught a class. But was it, was it veggie based at that point? It was. Yeah. Yes. And we why? actually decided to fill our tacos with delicious seasonal vegetables from the farmer's market because over the period of time cooking together and as sort of the tenor of things were changing in the world and the fact that climate change was an issue and that we felt ourselves sort of craving healthier foods, we just started cooking more of a plant-based diet on a regular basis. Okay. Um, I am omnivorous, but I do eat a predominantly plant-based diet. Mm -hmm. So we wrote up this business plan for a taco joint filling these hand-griddled corn tortillas with really delicious seasonal vegetables. And we got in, and we went in front of a panel of judges. You just were like on the a show when you were... A, they were part of the... Comp during the competition, right? During right. the competition. Right. Yes. And when I went up there in front of these eight judges, because we'd been around a while and we'd been making inroads within the food community, seven of those judges I knew somehow... Somehow connected to and them. And they all cashed the check. <laughs> <laughs> Great. It was, well, you know, or they went to high school with my husband. You know, it was just one of these situations where it was kind of comfortable. I had my son plating everything and putting it on the, on the tables for them. And Ann and Bernie from the Fresh Farm Market were at this competition. And they came up to me afterwards and said, this is such a great idea. We're looking for people to make food ready-to-go prepared foods at our farmer's markets, pick one. We want you to test this concept, low risk, in any market you want. So Suzanne and I decided that the Fresh Farm by the, Fresh Farm by the White House made the most sense because it was not your typical Saturday or Sunday farmer's market, extra cash to burn in the pocket. These were people who were hungry. Mm -hmm. And it was going to And they want lunch. And they want lunch. And they represented a wide spectrum, very diverse spectrum mm -hmm. of Washingtonians, black, white, old, young, male, female, long-term bureaucrats, brand newbies, you know, working at the Obama White House. And we could test out this weird, esoteric idea to make hand-griddled corn tortillas and fill them with vegetables. All right, we're going to take a break. I just want to thank you for saying my favorite phrase, the Obama White House. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about not only the opening of your first brick and mortar, but then your second one. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We actually have margaritas in front of us that we have not discussed, and we'll yeah. be back in just a sec. Oh, we're back on. Gee, surprise. Okay. All right, you're back on with uh, Foodie and the Beast, David and Nikki Nellis. There is no Facebook Live today because our intern is unwell. So you have to imagine. <laughs> She's Theater not of the unwell. Mind. She's on vacation. She's mentally unwell. <laughs> okay. so, Leave her uh, alone. Bettina, let's talk about, first of all, chaya. I was asking you what chaya means. Oops. Why don't you talk about that a little? Because that's... So chaya is uh, the word for life-affirming force in many different languages, whether it's Hindi, Sanskrit, Lahayam in Hebrew. Why didn't you name it Lahayam? That would have been... Then I would have well, known what you were talking a, about. You know, it wasn't a Hebrew concept. <laughs> right. You know, we initially, when we popped up at the farmer's market at the White House, we were spelled with a Y. We're now spelled C-H-A-I-A, tacos.com. But previously it was C-H-A-Y-A. And there was an issue because Chaya Brasserie in San Francisco and L.A. had the same name. Got it. And although that meant Japanese tea house, 
when we when we wanted to trademark. So we had to change. So okay, so how do you wind up? You open up this first concept. You have a brick and mortar in Georgetown. How does it all come together? So that comes together because actually we open up at the White House Farmers Market with enough food to feed fifty, and we're sold out in fifty in. Right. An hour and a half. Sure. Next week we come back with food for 100, sold out in an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. So six weeks in, the Washington Post writes about us. And by the end of that first farmer's market season, we'd been named one of the top nine tastemakers. So we decide we're going to try the concept in the winter at the, at the DuPont Circle Farmer's Market. Again, we can cook through the winter. We can source through the winter local, local, local vegetables. And... We decided we got to write a real business plan, not mm-hmm. a fake business plan, but a real business plan. And we we do. And we go out on September 1st of 2014 for investment. And we wrap that little little package up very tightly within a matter of weeks. Wow. And we open up our Georgetown store in November of 2015. And we just opened our second location at 615 I Street, um, that's between 6th and 7th right. at I, near the convention center, the Cap One Arena, the synagogue, the... No, you're right in the second of it. Right. It's a Nexus neighborhood. Well, it's we great. were right. talking during the break because we had the guy, uh, we've had the guys from Shook on, and that's Israeli street food, but it's all plant-based. You're all plant-based as well, and I was just saying that that's this kind of the new age of delicious plant-based eating because before it was those plastic-tasting fake burgers and that kind of stuff that were horrible. Well, well, so this is real foods have real yeah. seasons. And, right. and And I, I often say that vegetables are the most luxurious item on your plate, and they take a lot of work to get there. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you're, if you're a meat eater, it's salt and fire, and you're, you're basically done with delicious flavors. But vegetables need a lot of massaging. They need a lot of preparation. They need cutting. They're, they're, they're difficult to deal with. But we really do take vegetables like and, mm. <laughs> and, and, and bring out the most delicious you know, aspects of them. So what can people find on your menu? Like bringing in a margarita. Is there a margarita on your menu? So yeah, that we just got our alcohol license on Friday. Oh my God, congratulations. And so we are now pouring actual cocktails from our taps along with beer, wine, sangria, and hard cider, as well as all of our non-alcoholic beverages. And next Friday is National Margarita Day, so thankfully we right, got like our margaritas in. on. But this is a chaya margarita. It's mm-hmm. made with it's made with white tequila. It's made with a, an agave ch- chipotle mm-hmm. simple syrup, lime, obviously. Mm-hmm. Happy to share the recipe, but no. but we although we're a healthy plant based concept in mm-hmm. in terms of why have the meat, we just want you to eat more vegetables. Right. We want to save your body, save the planet, but we've got to at least make really delicious food. So, you know, creamy kale and potato taco paired with uh, a salsa, a house-made salsa verde and pickled onions on a hot, you know, hand-griddled corn tortilla. Sounds delicious. <laughs> yeah. And a, and a bowl of pasta from Iriki and right. I'm done. And you've and you got the whole thing. Or, or we've, you know, recently introduced something called a tlayuda, which is a Oaxacan street food where... So we really believe in, you know, zero food waste if we can. So mm-hmm. we, if we have leftover tortillas at the end of the day, we let them dry out overnight and then we bake them the next day with some delicious, you know, olive oil and they get nice and toasty like a tostada and mm-hmm. and, and put a bean paste on top and a pe- uh, pepita salsa. So now we have dessert. 
So then you have dessert. Right. Yeah, exactly. No, and feta cheese, all, sa- all, all savory and delicious. All right. Well, we have to wrap it up, unfortunately. So tell everybody, please, where we can find you at both locations. So come to our new location at 615 I Street in Chinatown or come to Georgetown at 3207 Grace Street. Excellent. Thank you so much. All Thank right. you so much. Jamie, Jamie and Vince, I got a question for you because I read in your stuff you were talking about how um, you were interested in making a really a real rye from real local ingredients and that most of the rye in the country, even though it's sold under other labels, is made in Indiana? This is true. What up with that? It's just the way the industry is. You get really good product out of Indiana. It's, I mean, I wish I could tell you more than that. It's, Interesting. You get really good rye out of Indiana. Okay. So now why do all these different flavored vodkas? So honestly, I'm going to tell you the truth. Yes. We got really funky with it. Okay. I mean, that's the best that's way to describe it. We got, we got really funky with it. Mm-hmm. When have you ever seen a honey vodka? We also do a honey vodka. Okay. Or where have you ever seen like a true caramel vodka that's actually not clear or anything else like that? It's That vodka is brown or tannish because mm-hmm. it is actually house-made caramel sauce. So how many vodkas do you do? We do, actually, we do four. Okay. So we do a traditional, a honey, a caramel, and we also do an overproof. An overproof. Uh-oh, did we get a taste of the caramel and did I miss it? No, we did not. We haven't even got to that part. No, we haven't done it We're getting there. All right, so what are you guys pouring next? Caramel vodka. Right. <laughs> so we'll pour samples of that, but the cocktail's pretty cool. It's called a Queen Anne's uh, Revenge, um, mm-hmm. named after the famous ship that um, Blackbeard had. Okay. Um, and he actually... The legend has it that he, after looting a bunch of uh, ships, he actually sank his own ship so he could kill off half his crew so he could take more of the profits. Cool. So that's the history on that one. Thank you. Um, this is a really fun cocktail. What We're using the caramel vodka, mm-hmm. and then I'm also using Baltimore's apple ginger liqueur. So this is a local spirit okay. made, um, in Baltimore. And then I'm using something that is out of Vermont, and it's a... Drinking apple vinegar. So we all know that the the you know drinking vinegar is really healthy mm-hmm. and good for you. But in a sense, what it is, it's a shrub, and shrubs are big big things that are used in cocktails. They're pretty much syrups that are preserved with vinegar. So they're very rich. They're very tart. Um, they're really kind of like lush and meant to be sipped on. Terrific. Well, yep. we can't wait to try to the drink. Sure. We'll be back with you guys in a sec. Okay. Alrighty. So Jeff, come on Chef up to the mic. Ricardo Planas has. Such an interesting past and a really interesting present. He's the executive chef at uh, The Sally, which is a new restaurant at the Fairfax Embassy Row. And you're also responsible for all the other food in the hotel, too, I assume. Which Correct. is a but, huge endeavor, yeah, yeah. I am Let's sure. Let's do a little bit of a background on you because mm-hmm. you've worked for some. You can name drop all over the place, baby. Oh, Lord. Well, good morning to both of you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, it's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, you seem I, so old. Yeah. You seem so young. <laughs> Some days I feel that way. Right. Um, but yeah, this business will do that to you, won't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I started out many, many moons ago uh, in Jean-Louis Kitchen at the Watergate uh, as a mere boy, mm-hmm. 19, um, there at the end before uh, before the closing. Mm-hmm. Um, a few other stops here in D.C., New York, uh, Latin America and the Caribbean. So, Jean Georges, throw that in there too. Uh, so, yeah. but what would you say was your like? What got brought you into cooking? How did that all begin? So, I've always cooked. I didn't realize it. Well, uh, man, Cubans love food. Like yes, the no, we definitely okay. do. We definitely do. And and 
you don't realize it until you have a moment like this where where somebody's asking you about it and you go, yeah, I was like seven or eight or nine years old and I was already hanging out in my mom's kitchen mm-hmm. or you know, that kind of thing. I wasn't the guy that wanted to, to do this for a living. Okay. Um, I always say that this chose this business chose me. I didn't necessarily choose it, um, but I have definitely enjoyed it. I started off probably about 16, I guess. Um, I worked in a little um, Latin American grocery store that was owned by some friends of the family. Mm-hmm. And one day I just kind of got roped into working in the butcher shop because uh, <laughs> it was super busy. That is a trial by fire. Yeah. Oh, well, it was definitely that. Uh-huh. And um, and I real and everybody realized like I could do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was fun. And from there I went gravitated towards it. So did you go to cooking school? I did. Where did you go? Uh, I went to, well, then it was called the French Culinary Institute. Now Mm -hmm. it is uh, the International Culinary Center. Sure. Uh, And I was, uh, yeah, that was 2000. So based on your background and then you learned French cooking. Yes. How were you able to, what did you, how were you able to like come up with your own way of executing on the plate? Like taking everything you learned with traditional French cooking and then adding your own flair to it? Well, I think that that's, it's a, it's what we always want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start off, you know, obviously like you start off in Jean-Louis kitchen, you don't deviate from anything. Right. Obviously. Right? Well, that, just, but at that point same, you're but... cooking, you're executing somebody else's vision. Correct. You're not executing your vision. And so it becomes a, a, a I think for me, it's become mm-hmm. a, call, uh, a sort of cumulative effort of all the other places where I've been and all the all the chefs that have influenced, uh, well, let's, influenced me. Why don't we bring it to the Sally? Because it's a question of now you come in, mm-hmm. they hand it to you, they hand you this kitchen. It's named after. Well, I don't think it's handed to you. I think prominent you have to work member, for that. you know, of, the, of an 18th century Fairfax family. Correct. Are you? Uh, they say to you, come up with a menu, or is there already a concept that you're? So, I did the entire menu um, within certain parameters. Uh, it is a sort of lounge and small plates menu. We do a lot of share plates, uh, mm-hmm. and that's what we want to do. So, we do. It allows me to do a great many things, including whatever I might do on a normal basis on a shrunken. Uh, plate. Uh, plate. Talk so, about some of the. Uh, I've got the menu items in front of me. The, some of your favorites. Yeah. So I brought. Uh, I brought with me the lobster ceviche, which mm-hmm. has proven very popular. Uh, it's. It's definitely a different take on on traditional ceviche with uh, with lobster, grapefruit, mint, some serrano chilies, that kind of thing. Um, that one is proven, like I said, very popular, and I'm. I like that about it. Uh, the the gnocchi. Also, this is a fall and winter menu right now, mm-hmm. obviously for for us. So I'll we'll start rolling through some other things coming up here. But um, the gnocchi with potatoes and it's just this big umami bomb of potatoes and truffles and cheese and and kale and mushrooms. Sounds and terrible. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> in a for a hotel property, how important is the seasonability? How 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 much of a priority is that for you? Uh. It's definitely a priority. I, we and I have to balance between 
doing being a hotel restaurant and being a neighborhood restaurant. And sure. that's, that's, we want to do both. I, I, we could easily do um, just be a hotel restaurant, but that wasn't our goal. We want to be a part of the DuPont Circle neighborhood and, 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 and that kind of thing. So uh, in that regard, seasonability is, is a big thing. Sure. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. But when we come back, we'll talk more about the location and what sort of happened there that brought you in. I want to know about the wine list. Okay. Uh, This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right. You're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Lucky you. Uh, Before we get back to uh, Chef Ricardo, just want to thank our sponsors, the folks at ProFish and Ivy City Smokehouse, Market at River Falls, uh, Central Farm Markets, and Meat Crafters, all those skinny salamis. Mm -hmm. I could do something that makes me skinny. All right, so chef, back to you and the and the menu, and also let's talk about cocktails and wine lists because that's important. Yes, absolutely. Take it away. Uh, so I'm also the director of food and beverage for hmm. the hotel, um, sort of a dual role, and I did craft, uh, well, craft beer list and curate the the wine list as well, and then in conjunction with a corporate. A uh, boss of mine who is an old school uh, Vegas bartender. He did a lot of the cocktails for us because it's a, the, it's a restaurant and lounge, and mm-hmm. um, that was part of the, part of the concept for us was to to have the the share plates be centered around the cocktails and the wine and craft beer. And mm-hmm. So when you say old school Vegas, I mean for reals. For reals. No kidding. For reals. Is he a gangster? <laughs> eh, Some days, of, Some days he wants to be. <laughs> All right. And so breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Uh, not in the Sally. In our second outlet inside the hotel, which we call the market, mm-hmm. is a coffee, pastry, and grab-and-go for breakfast and for lunch. Right. Uh, and so we do that. We partnered with a bunch of local um, local purveyors, Swings Coffee and the like, uh, to, to do breakfast and lunch there. Mm-hmm. And then dinner... And uh, cocktails in the south. You guys have a don't you guys have a roof deck? No. Oh, who am I thinking no, they have of? The I patio. Think... We area. do. We right. do have a brand new patio that we haven't had a chance to uh, debut yet. We're mm-hmm. looking forward to Mother Nature giving us that uh, that chance. Good sure. luck. Yes. Yeah. Well, yeah. Right. Eventually. Well, with global warming, it'll be that way twelve months around. <laughs> what about desserts? Who's the pastry chef? Uh, that would be me. Okay. Really? Hi there. It is. Yes. It is. Um, Hope they're paying you a lot of money, baby. <laughs> okay. Golly. Some days. So but, what are you, you making know. for desserts? Uh, right now, I have a, a handful of desserts. Uh, I'm doing this one I call chocolate, which is it's four different kinds of chocolate. Brilliant mm-hmm. name, by the mm-hmm. way. Thank you. Thank you. I like that one. We keep it simple. Um, it's, a, it's a bittersweet chocolate cake and a, um, a sweetened chocolate mousse mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. cocoa nibs and, and hazelnut. Uh, and then, I don't want you to feel bad. That would have gone great as a follow-up to the no, ceviche. No, the lobster right. ceviche yeah. is yeah, really delicious. Thank you, you know, for bringing that you in. You come by. It's really nice. Right. Right. Like, and come have by. dinner. That's the and way you're going to get chocolate. us by. Okay. Right. There you go. All right. Um, all right. Well, let's make sure everybody knows. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know where the hotel is, but where it is uh, and the restaurant hours and all of that. So 2100 Massachusetts Avenue, mm-hmm. Northwest. Um at the Fairfax at Embassy Row, mm-hmm. and the Sally is inside, uh, along with the market, and just what a block from Dupont Circle. Great, 
Okay, great. Thank you so much, Jeff. Thank you for coming in today. All Thank right. you for having so me. All get right, back Blackwater to Distilling. Vince and Jamie. Yes, let's you hear guys, more. You uh, guys, we're talking about um, recent whiskey finishings in your materials. Tell us about that. So we do our whiskey a little funky, so it's a blend of... You use funky a lot. I do. Funky's my favorite word. I, said I love funky. Last I love night. funky. Let's get funky. I love funky. So it's said a blend of... I said I'm exhausted. <laughs> she said good night. It's a blend of uh, corn and rye whiskey, and we actually finish off and finish them off in different wine and spirits barrels, and they're like all over the place. We finish them off in Madeira barrels, PX Sherry barrels, Oloroso, a couple blends, and it's um it's just a nice little project that we like to do. Mm-hmm. So I tell people all the time when I go to my accounts, I'm like, all right, so you don't like my whiskey this time. Let me come back to you in a couple months, and I have a completely different flavor profile for your whiskey. Okay, wait. So how many products do you guys have? What? How many? You don't have to look at them. Look at me. Tell me how many <laughs> distilling products you have. Look at Top me. Top of my head. Let's see here. Top of my head, I'm throwing out eleven. So you have eleven products. 11. So you got the four vodkas. Four vodkas. Okay. The whiskey. The whiskey. And then. Five rums. Rum. Rum. Yeah. You're going to make my math sound terrible if I right. say it. And, there's yeah. a, and then there's a couple things that you can only get at the distillery, too. Like? I actually brought one of them to you today. Okay, what'd you bring? What'd so you bring? So we have uh, our Solera rum. So it's a blend of our rum and a blend of a Jamaican rum sitting in a Solera style. Oh, look how beautiful. So Solera style, you take like five barrels. Well, mm-hmm. not like. You take five barrels and you mm-hmm. cycle the rum through. Mm-hmm. And by the end of it, you get a really small yield. And this is what you get. This is an absolutely fantastic product. But you can only get it at the distillery. At the distillery. Didn't we get a bottle of that? No. We couldn't have gotten a bottle of that. No, we did that. not. <laughs> we don't have that. I and mean, we have a massive bar, I just want to say for the record. But we do it's not have that. It's all a blurb. It's all, right. it's all yeah, blurb. But I have no, no idea. We definitely don't have that rum. So why do all the different... Like, how did you guys go from doing vodka? Was that always part of the plan to incorporate more Yeah, it was always, spirits? I mean, it's always part of your plan to get, get bigger, start doing more things. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the idea was, all right, so we're, we, we made a fantastic vodka. All right, let's make another vodka. We'll throw some flavors in there. We'll throw right. some caramel. We'll throw some honey. We'll have an overproof. Mm-hmm. And then you start making rum. And then rum, when everything starts to kick in, and then you start doing whiskey. And then that's where you have your product line. Interesting. Sounds yeah, so Jamie? easy. Let's open a distillery. It sounds so easy, right? You just throw it out there. You right. just throw it on the wall. It but you don't do perfect. gin. We don't do a gin. We are working on a gin. Okay. Maybe. Maybe something. I don't know if I'm supposed to tell you that or not. Okay, go ahead, Jamie. So the transition from vodka to rum really happened because Andy Keller, the head distiller, that was the baby that he wanted to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I've known this brand for a very long time, so Mm -hmm. he really wanted – vodka was kind of the project that got us off the ground, and then his real idea and his vision was to go into rum and to make more of a – sugarcane-based rum instead of most rums are Mm molasses-based. So he wanted to do something like that that was made in America. So that was the transition from there. Okay, cool. All right, so what you brought all these products. I know you're going to make us one last drink. What are you going to make us next? Um, you got to speak into the mic. So we bought uh, our, our dark rum. Mm-hmm. So that's actually our favorite of the rums. Um, it's really Wait, you in- picked a favorite? Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. as in favorite, my favorite line when I talk to accounts, you know, when you yeah. have that, you know, it's your favorite kid, but you don't want to say it. This is by far my favorite kid. Okay. I love this product. Sam, Eli. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you naming as <laughs> Every your favorite Every one of kid? our kids thinks they're our favorites. <laughs> well, the reason that we love it so much is that nearly all dark rums on the market are made from molasses. Okay. So this is, again, taking our white rum, mm-hmm. which is made from organic sugar cane, and aging it in barrels for two years, right? Two years. Yeah, two full years. So there's no molasses. And so what you're getting is that barrel aging that you would get in whiskey, for a sense. And that's what's getting its color as well. Interesting. So are you guys doing collabs with barrels and stuff like that? We are not doing collabs with barrels. Okay. So 
You you just get fresh barrels. Fresh barrels, ma'am. Okay, you're not working with anybody. If you call me, ma'am, again, I, I mean, I'm really gonna lose my mind. It's the farm and military. Okay, no, 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 no. You know what you can call her? Let me let me help you. Let me help. I get I get No, no, no. I want to help. You can call her Granny because she is one. You blame my grandfather for that, and you blame the fire department for that. I apologize. I'm gonna start calling you sir and see how you like that. Okay. I hate it. Okay. All right. So what is the cocktail? Tell it. Finish off everything that's in it. So this cocktail here, it's called the White Owl. Um, it's actually named after a very famous uh, pirate ship as well that sank off of in a, like up the eastern coast mm-hmm. um, in a nor'easter. It, well, actually, it didn't pay to come up here as a pirate ship, did mm-hmm. it? No, actually, it, it had the most treasure they ever saw. They had It was actually raiding down in the Caribbean and off um, Africa and all that. And it came back with 50 ships worth of treasure. Wow. And sank. And so they had looked for it for a long time. And then when they finally found it, they actually pulled up 100,000 different artifacts. Amazing. From the ship. So, okay, cool. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So I gotta uh, this... go snorkeling more. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so this cocktail is gonna be based on the dark rum mm-hmm. with a coconut paste, mm-hmm. uh, cream. It has um, fresh uh, lime juice in it as well, and some bitters. Excellent. Okay. okay, so guys, we're wrapping up the show while you're making that cocktail. Just tell everybody where they can find the distillery and where they can find the new tavern opening so soon. So the new distillery, new tavern is going to be 405 Cleet Street, Cleet as in your shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, beginning of March, it's going to be fantastic. Come I feel to our like website. we almost had a Seinfeld episode there. Just Did we have one? That's right. Sounds like a body part. When I say Cleet, I'm thinking like there's so many different ways to spell So if I say it like shoe, it sticks in the head, right? Yes, very good. Good. <laughs> so four or five Cleet Street, come on by. Uh-huh. We are going. We are actually on the eastbound side of fifty. So when you guys get stuck in beach traffic, you're totally stopped. You by go over the bridge and take a left. Oh. Right? And then when you're coming back from the when you're coming back from the beach and you're sitting in traffic, you come by and have a cocktail. Excellent. So you can right. drive schnockered on the Bay Bridge. Yeah, right. That's a exactly. Great idea. All right, guys. Thanks very much. So uh, unfortunately, we're at the end of the show. Mm-hmm. Everything you heard on the show today, you can find. Info about on the list, areyouonit.com, Nikki's mm-hmm. website. Follow her every week on WTOP Live at 1240 on Thursdays, usually. Yes. yes. Uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook. All true. And that's it. Don't follow me anywhere. I'm right, because he's not anywhere. I'm not anywhere. <laughs> he really isn't. Time well, sucks. we want to thank all of our guests for appearing with us today. So many terrific things to talk about uh, with the celebration of the 30-year anniversary. Let's do a happy birthday Yay. to Iriki for 30 Absolutely. years. And congratulations oh. on the distillery's tavern opening and the chef at the new restaurant, The Sally, and of course what Bettina and her partner are doing uh, with Chaya. So lots of good things happening around the D.C. food and wine community. You can always find out more in the list. Are you on it.com next week oh wait first we should talk about tomorrow so we do have another show um i know we've got another show uh industry night at the line hotel we'll be talking to the curator of all the projects at the tudor museum it's going to be super interesting and next week we have a full studio once again uh we'll be talking with junction bakery and the new hot also sort of plant-based flower child which is popping up all around the area and uh chance for life that big event is coming up we'll have the producer of it in studio so thank you all for joining us today everybody please have a delicious week 